but here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Uh, Your co-host, Julie. Hello from the great gray north where UFOs get shot down in my backyard. (laughs) Apparently they're a thing. That did happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's been weird over here. Uh, We don't know where Thorsten is. Oh, we just lost. uh, Oh, boy. We're we're having issues today, folks. Uh, We don't know where Thorsten is. Um, Also joining us is uh, your co-host, Jacob. Chaos is found in greatest abundance wherever order is being sought. It always defeats order because it is better organized. <laughs> that sounds like Pratchett, but I have been reading. It is all- Pratchett. Oh my god, I've been reading Discworld lately, so that <laughs> it is Pratchett. Oh, that's great! Great! Oh, god, that's great! <laughs> I've been reading Pratchett lately, so that's great. Uh, and also, your co-host David. More studies need to be done, but uh, we're engineers, not biologists. <laughs> Well, friends, we uh, have a couple of guests uh, this week. Um, They might be having some technical issues because apparently there's some power issues. But uh, joining us both from Toronto are uh, Kevin Donnelly and Gabriel. Oh, I should have asked how to say your last name. Oh, Flaherty. I hope I said that right. Of um, Bobby Technology, which I I love the name. I love that name, by the way. I I just love that name. to talk about their upcoming science fiction RTS called Chaotic Era. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having us. And yeah, we uh, I just had another power outage, but, oh my but God. I'm back on. I hope, Gabe, Gabe, you're here, right? Uh-oh. Gabe might not be. We live in separate houses. Oh, there he is. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. We had a contingency plan. We live in separate houses. Man, I actually, <laughs> I actually got a uh, power backup just for the router and the modem. Like I have, like, smart. So, Very so, smart. So in case the power goes out, we have like ten minutes of internet, just in case. <laughs> oh my god, Thorsten, you lo- oh my god, wait. So Thorsten lost Discord on uh, what? Uh, okay, so our co-host Thorsten just said in the chat that he just lost Discord on all of his devices, which is bananas. Wow. How do you? How does this that is, even maybe happen? It's a, uh cyber attack on space game junkie I, oh my god we're being attacked they, they don't want us to talk about i should look out the window and see if there's a chinese spy balloon over my apartment <laughs> oh my god but, yeah uh, like, <laughs> why like the middle of germany that's like what no my the, the routing here doesn't make sense <laughs> it's it's all it's all about the dominoes jacob it's there's you start in the, the white the dominoes you start in one place and it all falls apart other places we had one uh, got down and the next stayed over. Yeah, but then why? No, mind. Uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get Thorsten back soon. Uh, for some reason, Discord is refusing to work on anything that he owns. It's having a moment. It's, it's, it, which is weird. Like, it sounds like an authorization issue more than anything else. But why? I don't understand. Anyway, uh, we are here to talk about Chaotic Era, which is an an upcoming rts you can buy on uh, itch.io right now currently as we record this for uh 4.99 i believe american correct and uh it is it is kind of a streamlined uh well okay let's let's start at the beginning how well how would you guys describe chaotic era it's your game how what's the elevator pitch you would give for chaotic yeah era? so i think streamlined is definitely a key word um the way we would describe Chaotic Era is an atmospheric real-time strategy game uh, that's inspired by the interfaces in movies like Alien, Blade Runner, Dune, like classic uh, 80s sci-fi. Oh, as well as, that explains yeah. so much. Now that I'm it, not, it not, does. now that I've played it, I'm like, oh god, it's got that cassette futury, Blade yes, Runnery, yep. original Star Wars kind of thing exactly that oh, like oh yeah like the future as imagined through the 80s and uh and then in terms of in terms of mechanics in terms of mechanics we uh you know we we were inspired a lot by like the 90s golden age of real-time strategy games so like starcraft uh even sim city um and games like dune 2 which was uh ah, yes obscure but great uh real-time strategy game so that that's kind of the game's basis and I, I think just from hearing that a lot of folks can probably start imagining what what that might look like 
Yeah, now that now that you've mentioned the Cassetti Futury thing, I totally like. I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. <laughs> when when yeah, I played it, it kind of reminded me of a game by Screwfly Studios. Uh, they were the people who made Safe House Diaries. Uh, they made a game called Dead Knot. I played that oh, game yes. literally two days ago. That's, that is what it reminded me of. Yes. Just a little bit. In, I can in see the, that. In terms I of totally see that. how everything is obscured. You don't have full camera control, or at least not uh, a live camera control. It's more like you're looking through sensors at what's happening yeah it's like you're, it's like you're the guy on the on the on the on the uh, vehicle in aliens while the team is out in you're the, playing mission control yeah basically yeah. Yeah. gorman yeah, was that his name me. the guy the guy who was in the apv in the in the vehicle while the team was actually in the in aliens you know what i'm talking about the the lieutenant who was coordinating everything i, I know what you're yes. talking about yeah yeah that that's what that game <laughs> reminded me of that's a great game by the way um it, it's it's funny though, like the, we get a lot of those comparisons to a lot of different games that honestly, like I, we haven't played or uh, anything yet, but it would have uh, would have probably made making the game a lot easier if we had played <laughs> some of these games to have, uh, you know, some reference points for what, what could be done. But um, I think a lot of them came from that same kind of source of inspiration, which for us was basically like, you know, we love the interfaces and you bring up Brian, like you bring up the, uh, the interfaces and aliens like we love those the way the computers looked in the backgrounds of those movies and we wanted to make a game that just felt like you were literally using one of those and that was that was like the core inspiration behind it all have you guys seen andor the new uh star wars series i watched a couple episodes but i I think i know where you're going with this which is like the andor and also i mean rogue one uh, had this kind of vibe as well like the modern yeah um take on the star wars they that's like I love that look of that like seventies aesthetic uh, applied to these interfaces. And I think the new star Wars stuff did, does such a good job. Yeah, that. And, and or especially really leans into that. You see it a lot and it is absolutely terrific. They, they, they really just like, this is what they, they use in the seventies. So we got to stick with it. And they did. And it, it, it works. So. Yeah. So. I love it. I, I love like, that's that whole, let's see aesthetic we were drawn to, right. It was just that, I mean, I was watching the A New Hope recently, and um, just there's something so quaint and inspiring about like that era of sci-fi, like just <laughs> how they thought things would unfold. Basically, like you mentioned it too, like the whole cassette aesthetic, the things that they thought would still be there 500 years later, but oh god, you know, obviously didn't last another like 10, 15 years. The like be- I just I love that stuff so much. The best is the even near future stuff. Like the other day I was watching, um, I was revisiting Sequest DSV, which takes place in the far future of 2018 or something like that. Like, like Yay! <laughs> like the show was made in 1993, so it was like 25 years in the future. <laughs> It's like not this, not, this is nothing like it's just that kind of thing cracks me up. <laughs> but um, totally, it's a like, bit of a, I, huh? I okay. watched 2001 just recently, like a few oh. months ago, and uh, a lot of the interfaces are actually not like really like that existed at that time, and just like that, the, level, the fact that they're so abstract, uh, just it makes them still kind of like this could be how things looked in the far future, right? Yeah, like 2001 blinking made, lights. Yeah, no 2001 made sense in the way they designed how things worked on their spaceships. They they really did an amazing job with that. Um anyway, so you you guys had some great uh, inspirations for this game because I mean 90s was a uh I look back on it so fondly. <laughs> such a such a golden era of of PC gaming. Like Totally, and it's what it's what introduced us to a lot of these strategy games in the first place, right? Like those entry points, like Red Alert Two and SimCity Two Thousand, and, and all those classics. So, is the city building aspect the uh, the clearing of uh, the 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 scanning? Okay, I'm I'm jumping ahead. So so this game is a little different than other RTS games in some in some ways because you're not moving around units really. You're not, uh, you know, you're you're not building a dozen units and then drag selecting them and then moving over to moving them over to the enemy. It's a little different. Here, you're um, 
It looks like, because you don't have direct control over units. Like, you have worker units and stuff, but you don't directly control them. Kind of like uh, Majesty in that regard. And um, what basically you do is you scan uh, the area around you, and then you find resources in those areas. And then your workers go get those resources, if I'm remembering correctly, and mm-hmm. uh, bring them back to your um, your the buildings you build. So there is kind of a city builder aspect to it. I I, that, I also I also thought, yeah, it's it, like the city builder, and that's why I bring up some City Two Thousand. I feel like that's like mm-hmm. a kind of like a foundational core video game memory for for me and Gabe. Oh yeah. Um, although it's not as like the way we approached in Chaotic Era is not that you're trying to build this massive thriving city like in Sim City that has sports teams and a fire department and everything else. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, the Chaotic Era is much more focused on. You are just trying to survive, right? You're just trying to like build this, uh, you know, terribly constructed outpost on this super hostile world just to stay alive. Um, the the thing actually, and you brought up aliens earlier. The thing I compare it most to is like that the opening scene of the director's cut of Aliens. And I know this is getting pretty specific. Oh here, but yes, where you actually scene, see the colony before it falls. Exactly. Yes, yes where you actually see Hadley's hope. Like that's. We basically wanted to make that as a game, and that's that's kind of how it came out. So it's not like this thriving city. It's kind of like this really, uh, you know, kind of an awful place to live in the middle of a super stormy, dangerous place. Um, and you're just trying to survive there, and you're just trying to keep alive. So that's like the city building aspect is in the sense that you are building more buildings and units to, to house your population and, you know, collect resources and, and defend uh, against the aliens that emerge. But... Um, it's definitely very light on the city building. And that's why, again, we talk about the, you know, it's kind of like this streamlined uh, 90s RTS, um, which also, you know, not, sorry, I'm kind of going on super long here, but it, it comes from the fact, too, that originally um, me and Gabe had envisioned this as a an iOS first game. So the Chaotic Era came about as like a mobile first uh, title. And so some of the design decisions like the, you know, not directly controlling units and things like that were influenced by the mobile form factor at first, but things that also carried over into how we built it out in a, in a uh, you know, desktop, uh, desktop format too. Right. Oh, what I meant by the city building aspect is you, is you do build these buildings that are interconnected and do support each other. That's what I, that's what I think about when I think right. of a city builder. And so you you do like you had to build the uh, energy building. I can't remember the names of the things, um, but there's def- there's there's def- there's definitely a um, like a uh, base a, building. It's yeah. more base building than city building. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it kind of it kind of feels like I don't know. With all the little guys moving around, it felt kind of cityish to me. It felt like kind of a colony, you know. Instead, yeah. just, instead of just a base, you know what I mean. It felt more like a like a colony, um, which I like. I think a lot of a lot of the like kind of um, ambiguousness of it that you're describing too, or like the inability to pin down some of that stuff, comes from like how how we built this out. Which this is a project we've been working on, you know, for actually a few years now. Um, but it went through a lot of different iterations of what chaotic era even was like. There was a point where it only took place in outer space and you were just guiding, you know, different ships between different planets, like basically a completely different game. And we kind of iterated on that over a number of years until we got down to to what it is now, which is kind of this like outpost uh, simulation game. Um, But a, a lot of that came from the fact that we set out more so to be building a game that express this kind of like thematic and aesthetic and atmospheric idea of like that Hadley's hope kind of experience versus we didn't set out to be like, Oh, we're going to build a base builder. or We're going to build a, a roguelike, or we're going to build like, you know, we didn't set out specifically with a type of game in mind. We more set out with this type of uh, vibe we were trying to cultivate and the game kind of came in place through that, which wasn't the most efficient way to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> ended up it ended up well in the end, I think. How long have you guys yeah. been working on I this? I think one? it's a perfect way to uh sorry. Oh yeah, I was just gonna uh, but yeah, it, it's several years old, but um that dovetails nicely into what I the point I want to bring up was which was uh so yeah, like we the, there there are like less conventional mechanics 
Uh, and it's difficult to kind of like really pinpoint like what it's a little more obvious now, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't fall very cleanly in like any, any one genre, I would say. And, uh, that's almost like an outcome of the fact that we didn't start with like saying we're going to make like a, a strategy game or we're going to make a this or that type of game. Like it, like years and years ago, the game actually started as, uh, as a, uh, it was like kind of a, Kevin, it was like a, it was a universe, it was a physically, uh, proportional, uh, physically it's like universe simulation where uh, we were we had built this very basic structure for uh for having uh, like this this procedurally generated pseudo infinite worlds with uh planets that would orbit objects of greater mass and there's kind of a hierarchical structure similar to uh similar to the real and the game ultimately became what it was because uh we just kind of kept zooming in on what we thought was cool what we thought was fun and um you know, like the best, sorry to ramble on here. Too, no, it's fine. But the best, the best piece of feedback, <laughs> the best piece of feedback we actually received, uh, something that really stuck with me years ago was, um, someone told us, uh, find the thing that's, that is most fun in your game, right? Find a thing you think it could be the most fun and just like double, triple down on it. And that's, uh, ultimately what we ended up doing. We, uh, ended up calling probably like 90%, 95% of the things that we developed over the years until we ultimately had this, Pretty, uh, pretty minimal, yet concise um, little survival game, which looks like a str- like a strategy game and looks like a base building game and kind of looks like a tower defense game at times, kind of depending on how you look at it. Oh, I yeah, can sorry, see. my dog went my dog went kind of crazy there, but um, sounds insane. But Gabe is totally right. At one point, that we were trying to build like a to scale universe simulator. Oh my god. <laughs> and, uh, I know we we just we went all over the place as we were building this, but like Gabe said, that that key piece of advice was just zoning in on the thing that was the most fun. Which you know, honestly, the planet view was like an, a bit of an afterthought, a bit of a like tertiary experience at times when we were building this. We just kept zooming in on that, and then suddenly we were like, "Oh, this is actually the fun part of the game is the planet component. Let's just make the whole game that." Exactly. Yeah, and I, I have to say, it's. I mean, I only played it for about an hour. Like, there's not a t- there's not a ton there right now. It looks like um, there's like what two modes, I think. Two uh, scenarios, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's there's two modes. So this is the early access version, the version that's currently live on itch. Um, and we are going to be doing a full Steam release later in the year, which is going to be a much more built out version of this game. But oh, okay. we launched this. Yeah, we, we launched this to give an idea of what um, what Chaotic Era is to, you know, to them, to the audience, to the market and, and see how people responded, see how people are liking it, see what, you know, what kind of feedback we can get. Because like we said, we've been working on this now for a number of years. And so we were just like, let's let's get something out there and let's uh, let's see how people respond, which so far has been incredible. Um, but yeah, we're working towards a full release that's going to have quite a bit more content. Um, currently, there's two modes in the early access release. Uh, the the full version is going to have quite a few more modes, and that's kind of how we've built the game. Is that um, the player will be playing through different modes that simulate different types of circumstances that you could imagine landing on a new planet and experiencing. Right. So, in the in-game lore, there were thousands of ships that left the solar system to try and discover new worlds because the solar system is collapsing and all sorts of terrible stuff is happening at home for humanity. Um, and so essentially with each of these modes, the player is playing through a different way that one of those ships might have experienced a new planet uh, and all the terrible things that can go wrong and the horrible things that people would experience once they got there. I, I do appreciate, I'm not really into survival games, but I uh, this, I appreciate the survival aspect of it because it does really yeah, make it this feel. Is, go ahead. It is odds i will say it's certainly a very unique art style for a game the game is also very stressful is that just me <laughs> no <laughs> that's the point that's i can the tell point. you it's we not actually, just you <laughs> we honestly we we had a lot of discussions during like when we were designing it being like hmm this would definitely make it more stressful for the player like let's do that let's uh you know, the game sound. That's never feels like it gives you a break. <laughs> Even with like the day-night cycle thing, the game always feels like it's throwing something at you. Yeah. Which I feel like might get very exhausting in the long run, but for now it just makes it interesting. Though I will say the game does seem very bad at explaining what's going on. I still don't know how you get ex- how you actually get research or science or whatever it's called. Yeah, so I just sort of that- 
expect it to passively happen. And uh, that, is, uh, that is by design. The confusing nature of the game is by design. <laughs> which we've gotten gotten a lot of feedback on that point. Believe me, there's a, a lot of people have, have quite a few opinions on that, which I think is totally merited. That's but, terrific. Um, That's terrific. We, it's not complicated, we, I, though. I, I I just want to interject. There's a lot going on, but it didn't feel like complicated. It's complex. Yeah. I but managed to actually crack the game in like 10 minutes by sitting down and bashing my head against it. I still don't fully understand it. I still don't fully understand it if all of the like designs are intentional or if I'm just doing something wrong, like, like, like the fact that I apparently have to manually connect en- collect energy from a recycler or something. The, the thing is, it might have helped me understand the game better and be more interested in playing it if the manual didn't read like microfiction, but if it just kind of like... <laughs> There's a manual? If, yes, yeah. and the, yeah, the manual just read like a very short microfiction, and <laughs> I, it would have helped me understand the game and had it more appeal if they're actually like say okay here's how to play i mean at first it i will say the the art style attracted me because it was very reminiscent of limbo and this war of mine and so the art style attracted me but i don't like having to bash my brains against something to try and figure it out i at least like kind of like the basics because at that point at some point while i was trying to figure this out like the game just stopped and i said did everybody die or like what's going on i don't mean to be negative but i like indie games to succeed and this was kind of like my impression from a newbie standpoint also it's it's i'm actually a manual i'm I'm, yeah there is a manual i'm smiling as you guys say all this stuff because maybe like maybe me and me and gabe are just like totally messed up and and like torturing our players but (laughs) a lot of that is a not a maybe. This, a lot of this is intentional. A lot of this is by design. <laughs> and I, I know, again, it sounds like a cop-out, like we made like a super hard to understand game and we're trying to justify it, but it was by design that we were like, we wanted to make it part of the game that you're trying to figure out the game. Because something that we, um, you know, really don't like in, in modern gaming is like the super, super involved tutorials that mm. you basically are playing for like half an hour and you're like, am I even playing the game? Like, have I made a decision that's even impacted the game at all yet? Or am I just doing like endless quick time events? So you prefer um, you, you, tutorial you, land. You, yeah. Yeah. You prefer the, that nineties thing where the game is like, this is the only game you're going to own for six months. Fuck you dive in and just fucking learn it. You will figure it out. <laughs> and that's, that's like, that's, so there's two things there that, brought us to that place and again yeah we can probably and we have added some some updates to the onboarding and things like that to make things like the manual even though it's yes hidden away in the menu and it's just a manual that reads as if it's completely in universe like we've added things to make it a bit easier but we've still kept it annoyingly hard because there were two two pieces of inspiration there one was we loved that 90s vibe or 80s vibe of when you would like walk into whether it's a bookstore or a video store or a music uh, store or whatever. And the internet wasn't really there yet. And so you were discovering stuff by like sorting through physical media and you would find something and maybe it's like some, you know, Japanese import game that doesn't even have an instruction manual and you would like buy it or rent it or whatever, take it home. And you, yeah, you would have to figure it out because there were not, there weren't strategy guides. There weren't, uh, you know, built up communities around these games and the games were maybe not designed totally properly either. And so you were figuring out, how to play this game. And so that was like one piece of it. And then the other piece was we wanted, we were like dead set in the design process of trying to make it as immersive as possible and trying to limit the amount of times we were talking about, you know, the mouse or the keyboard buttons you needed to hit or the things that a player needed to do that exist in like our real world and not inside of the universe of the game. And so those are two pretty core decisions that led to, you know, how, how steep of a learning curve the game has, but it was intentional for for better or worse, depending on your experience of it. But we've gotten a lot of feedback on both sides of people, one that they can't figure out how to play, and but they keep trying and they do figure it out. None of the other side of people who, um, you know, have appreciated that kind of divergent approach to, to how uh, you onboard a player to a game, which, you know, it's... <laughs> 
It's definitely not the best practice. It's not what any game designer would tell you to do, but <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Maybe there's something there's something kind of punk rock about just saying, like, we're just going to make this game, like, really, really hard to understand. Well, and, let's and see, see if people can figure if, it out. If I may, right. <laughs> um, now, this goes back to marketing class in grad school. And my fear in when and I see game design like this and the the teacher who was the head of marketing for Motorola at the time always used to say make your product meet the needs of the consumer and my fear and my love of hoping indie games succeed comes out of the fact that if there's innovation in gaming, the only place I personally feel it's going to come from is the indie game market. And so my fear in this is saying, well, it's going to be so off-putting that someone will say, just set it down and it'll end up being like the orange box and the the Half-Life game that's been sitting on the top shelf since a month after it came out. And so... I don't mind complex games because people just say the conversation twice week conversation. I have a, a couple of the other uh, co-hosts here is they've said, well, if you know, if you can understand X4, you can understand Dwarf Fortress. But the difference is if I get stuck, the developers have a very active discord channel. I can say I'm stuck. What do I do? And if somebody just kind of, throws me in the deep end like my dad did when I would learn how to swim. He said, oh, you'll learn how to swim. Well, in the process, I almost drowned. And I didn't learn how to swim until college because of that. And so aren't you afraid this is going to affect the marketability of your game? Yeah, so th- th- that's a really good point. I think um, I think it's a risk we're willing to take for the dedication we have to the concept, if that makes sense. Like, and I think you're totally right in the sense that any or a lot of innovation, at least in in the gaming market, comes from the indie world because indie developers are kind of able to introduce some new features, new ideas, new things to gaming that a AAA studio might not be in a position to. And I, I think you could maybe view this decision from us on the same wavelength. Whereas, you know, this isn't it's not it's not Call of Duty is not going <laughs> to attempt to throw someone in with no tutorial or. You know, the new Diablo game, which has like a super extensive tutorial, like they wouldn't just drop a player in. It's something we have the freedom to do as as independent developers. And, and whether it's, you know, uh, antithetical or not, like I said, it's a risk we're willing to take for our kind of like ravenous dedication to the the art, artistic vision we have for the project. And uh, but not to say that we're not going to make any improvements to the onboarding, because there are a lot of simple things that we've done. Uh, since we launched it to to improve that and to just make it easier on the player but we are like we're like i said i it's a risk uh, i think we're fully willing and and able to take with the with chaotic era specifically of like let's try this out if people hate it people hate it but you know we want to fulfill that that vision we set out with and, and see how it works in the in the real world and again like to draw that comparison to to music as well right um to a to a medium where the creators are not issuing updates constantly to the art. Like for music, a band can put out a totally left field album as their second album, and it might completely bomb or it might, you know, change the industry. But once they put it out there, it's not like they're issuing, uh, you know, patches for their album. It's just like, <laughs> well, we'll see how the market takes it. And if it, if people hate it, people hate it. And if people don't hate it, well, look, we just, you know, created something new here or hopefully inspired other creators and artists to, to take a chance. So that's what I mean where I'm like, it sounds again, it sounds really stupid as I'm saying it. Cause it feels like one of those things where it's like, man, <laughs> this could so easily improve this game just by making it easier to understand. But me and Gabe are kind of stubborn in that sense. And I think like when we set out to make games and to make, um, you know, just products and things in general together, uh, we set out knowing we're going to do this probably the opposite of how most other people would do it. And we're going to do exactly what we want to do and just see if people like that and people respond to that. Right. So totally point totally taken because it makes a ton of sense. And it's like I said, it's definitely not the decision most people would make, but I think there's like, there's something to it where me and Gabe just want to try and do some weird stuff and and see what happens and maybe break some conventions as we're doing it and and see what the reaction is whether 
positive or negative, just to get people, you know, talking and engaging and thinking about uh, how how a game should be built. Well, it's, well you it's, know, oh god, I, 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 I managed to figure it out, and I got through the first scenario. So I, it felt rewarding to me. Uh, I mean, just that's just me. But uh, me, no, me too. Me too. I I understand trying something different, and here's my comparison is the first time someone on and this is another gaming group entirely but we were talking about really different music styles and he told me about heavy metal country roads and i said you've lost your mind and yet i said heavy metal john denver and yet i went out to this place called leaping frog studios and this musician who's just incredibly talented can play every every instrument himself and i said oh my god it works and it's fantastic and so my and and i really want to love this game but you know all of a sudden at one point the game just stopped and I said, what am I doing wrong? And I, I, I just wish there was at least some place to go so like somebody could tell me, what am I doing wrong? We'll say, this is what you're doing wrong. Try it. You'll like it. Mikey, he likes everything. <laughs> I do I do want to plug, we actually do have a, a Discord server that's honestly super active, and I've been super impressed with the, the community in there, um, where folks have been discussing, obviously giving us a ton of feedback on on all sorts of different parts of the game. Um, but also discussing strategy, discussing different elements, and we're we're super active in there too to help folks. Um, but I will I will plug our server, and I can drop you guys links, and hopefully we can get a link maybe in the show notes or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it into the it, stream chat channel, in fact. Yeah, let me throw that in. But uh, yeah, so we like, and again, it comes back to that idea of how dedicated we are to the game feeling at as much of it takes place in universe as possible. Oh. Is that we, you know, we do offer that that support and helping folks through things, but we are choosing to offer that completely off campus in the in the Discord versus in the game experience itself. And again, like it could be, this could be a terrible idea. This could be an absolutely like you know business case in a, a case study in like how not to mm. to build a game. But it's you know it's that it's the risk we're choosing to to take here, and it's the nothing you know nothing's gained if nothing is risked in in situations like this, right? So, yeah, I d- totally understand uh, the the critiques um, that folks have had of that approach, but uh, you know, just trying we're just trying something out. We're trying to see how how people uh, if, how people react. If if I may make a suggestion, I would link the Discord server uh, a little more prominently on the itch page, maybe. Because I had to, that's I, a good idea. I had to dig for it, and and it's it's there. It's in the comments, though. I had to actually do a on page search for the di- for the word Discord. Um, but maybe if you included yeah, well, it with the uh, the links down here under Bobby Technology or something, you know, that to, is a great idea. And I think I think we've been thinking about also um, linking out to it from the game itself. From the uh, that's probably a good idea. A lot of div- a lot of people do that. Yeah. They include a link to Discord. Like I like on the main game, menu. Yeah, a lot of games I play, like there are little buttons on the main menu for Twitter and Facebook and Discord and all these things that just give people easy access to the community. So that that would probably also be a good idea. Yeah. Definitely. I, yeah. I will definitely include that in the show notes. Absolutely. My first thoughts if I get stuck are does Spaz know how to play it? Does Brian know how to play it? Oh dear God, please, Spaz, help me! And, if you asked uh, me, I would have tell. I would have helped you right away. Uh, well, this week it's been. I I have been involved in an incredibly complex project, which is just briefly. It's evaluating mm. a multi-million-dollar business right down to how many eyelashes do you have? And otherwise, if I had more time this week, I would have said, "Oh dear God, please, Spaz, help me." That's fair. Yeah, this is. I, I, I do enjoy the intentionality of throwing you into the deep end as it were with this game, but it, for me, it took maybe 15 minutes cause I'm not that smart. It took me like 10 or 15 minutes to finally start grokking it. Um, but once I did, it started to flow a little better and, um, there's a definite flow to this game. There's a definite flow to this game, but you gotta, you gotta figure it out. And I, 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 like I said, I do appreciate that. But again, I, I mean, I'm an older gamer, so I grew up like like you guys were mentioning in an era where a lot of times manuals weren't that good. 
<laughs> a lot of games didn't come with tutorials. Yeah, a lot of games didn't a even have did not have a tutorial at all. You know, or very very right. simple. This button does this, and then that's yes. the tutorial. You have a hotkey menu. One thing I will kind of maybe not warn about, but mention as a concern. One thing you can't have is the game relying entirely on being obtuse for its difficulty and for the satisfaction coming from it. Because what will happen is the person will figure it out, realize there's not much to it, and go, cool, neat, I'm done. Totally. Oh, totally. That's a, it's a great point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something like it's been on our radar since the start, because it's obviously been one of the major pieces of feedback that, that we've gotten. So we've been, um, we've been shipping some updates to try and uh, improve the onboarding and just get the player better settled in while still keeping that same vibe and that same obscurity of you're using a, a computer built in 2790 and you don't totally know what's going on. Um, but actually, I, I realized that we did actually already, uh, we do link the Discord currently from the report a bug button in-game, um, but we definitely should make that, uh, make that more explicit. Those are, those are great points. In my experience in gaming and I'm probably the oldest one here, I'll bet. Uh, I am 66. And so my experience in gaming goes back before there was a while, before there was any of this, before there was an internet. And my first experience in gaming was on a mainframe computer at the University of Illinois. You know, it's like, hi, Hal. And I got a friend that was a computer. And he said, here, use my ID. It was a roommate. Go in late at night and you'll figure it out. And the next day at breakfast, I would say, oh, my God, I'm lost. What do I do? So if there was at least just a question mark, I'd say, listen, fool, you know, I, I just, I really want to love your game. It's just the artwork. I just love the artwork. And I said, wow, this is like back in the day, you know? Totally. Now just, just bear with us. Just bear with us. We're, uh, and that's honestly, it's a large part of why we've done this like phase release. Like we are doing this early access release through itch. Um, it's to get this kind of feedback and to get an understanding of how, people are playing it before we go full tilt on the steam release later this year. Um, so it's, it's all excellent feedback. Also, do I get to say it? Can I say it? Can we have this on switch, please? Uh, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> it would look great on switch. It would how? look great. How the, how would you control it? Like, I, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> are you, wait, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Is that gonna, is that, is that kind of a confirmation? <laughs> which version confirmed definitely not a confirmation but um <laughs> so we're doing we're pc and mac obviously that's what it's out on right now uh we are going to be uh dropping it on ios and android as well oh, okay. um which like i said that was the original intention but we decided to go with the desktop release first uh and you know who knows who knows if uh you know we get millions of uh gamers you know playing chaotic era and, and loving what we put out there uh then maybe a switch release be in the, the works android my dreams are achieved thank you there you go yeah android <laughs> that, that was when we first announced like or started talking about chaotic era like a couple of years ago uh android was it was ios originally only but android was such a massive demand that we had to uh we had to expand to android as well ios is yeah that's great my yeah, my, so. my android phone and this phone is everybody as big as a switch I, I i take the switch thing back i'm happy with android there you go. <laughs> I, Sounds uh, great yeah. to me. Yeah. And I also thank you as a person that technically uses an Android that haven't actually downloaded a game onto it in like six years now, but shush. Um, <laughs> look, the mobile games market is, it's, it, it exists. Uh, I need, if I, if I want to do mobile gaming, I need physical controls. That's why I have a Switch and a 3DS and a Game Boy. I'm glad you also think so because I also really dislike touchpads. I, I just like, I, me too, me too. Like I still play my Game Gear every now and again. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy with switch controls. I'm the kind of person that's like, oh, I also use my phone to make phone calls. <laughs> what? Nice. I, my phone is everything to, first. You, you talk to I, people? I actually talk. Yes. Every now what? and then I talk to it. But, That's you know, insane. my my phone is first an <laughs> HP-12C calculator before it's anything else. And then it's like, oh, you can play games on it. Oh, you can play Game Boy games on it. Oh, yeah, you bet. Oh, oh, wait. It rings every now and then. Well, when mine rings, I, I don't answer it. Unless... <laughs> 
the I think like the the overall like, rejection of, uh, of touch controls and kind of mobile as a platform as a like, gaming platform is yeah like we definitely have seen a lot of a lot of really bad mobile games. I mean like probably ninety percent of them are really bad, and uh, even <laughs> the ones that are good, a lot of them have really bad controls, right? Where they'll, they'll like simulate, uh, or I mean the vast majority of them will just simulate dual analog sticks and just have a bunch of buttons on screen that are really small and hard to click, but um, there, there are a lot of like really good, of, uh, right? Like, uh, and I think that's uh, it's it's possible to make a very good mobile game. Oh yeah, uh, I was of actually course. just t- talking to Kevin about this one. Uh, there's uh, if you guys have heard of this this one called Mini Metro. It's a few years old now, but it's oh, totally yeah. a uh, yeah, it's yeah. Like a system. Yeah, it's a systems design game, and but it's totally like touch first. Uh, I I'm sure it's on, but it's one of those games that definitely works best on uh with touch controls and uh i think it's it's more of a matter of uh it's less a matter of like uh uh like interface it's more so of just um mobile usually being an afterthought and they're not really being any concrete conventions for how to make a good touch first game so i'm hoping that we could uh we could um you know do well there yeah that that was that was like it was part of our initial goal with this, right? With like when we said we started this as an iOS game first, um, and me and Gabe, believe believe it or not, we're like we're big mobile gamers. We play a lot of games on iPhone, um, and so we've experienced like all, the whole gamut of the ones that are just complete, you know, rip off knockoff games that are just trying to trick people into playing them to. Some of the really genius and, and well-designed mobile games, and I think with Chaotic Era, when we were initially setting out, we were like, let's make a really good mobile game that tries to create some new conventions for how a player might interact with a mobile game and, and tries to buck some of the existing norms, like the like Gabe was saying, like the just putting controls on the screen as if it's a PS2 controller or, um, you know, the really hand-holdy tutorials or really strange like in-app economies and just feeling like everything's a slot machine like we were trying to not uh ape what was in market currently for mobile and do something a bit different so we're hoping that the mobile release feels that way once we once we uh we get to that launch but um yeah mobile gaming is surprisingly a very very popular thing at bobby technology a key (laughs) pastime of ours the first thing i look at when uh, it's a mobile game. I said, it's not free to play. Good. Okay. Let me pay for your game and I'm happy. And I'd see the artwork and I'd say, okay, uh, we want you to drop 20, 30 bucks on this. I said, yeah, sure. Just to play it because of the artwork. I'd give you the, I'd give you the money on a mobile game just to encourage you to develop it. <laughs> nice. I'm writing that down in our research notes now for pricing for mobile. We're going to have the $30 edition. <laughs> <laughs> for you we'll see we'll see what it comes out to it's 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 such a different it's such a different market um and it's such a different type of player that's playing mobile games um but yeah we we intend to make it a, a priced up front game like i said because we don't want to get into the um the kind of quagmire of the in-app economies and yeah. all that opens up with mobile and and how kind of like i'll give an example of a game that i was playing recently was um uh, the Magic: The Gathering game that came out. It came out on mobile. It's also on on Steam. I got it on Steam or not Steam? Was it on Steam? Was it on the Epic Game Store? It might have been the Epic Game Store. Sorry, totally irrelevant. But the Magic: The Gathering Arena game, where I started playing it, super fun. You know, I played Magic: The Gathering when I was a kid, and I, I was just getting back into it. But I got to a certain point where I realized that I could not get better or like progress in the game without spending money uh. because. Of the pay, like it's just the pay to win nature of it, right? People pay for cards that are far more overpowered than anything you can get naturally through grinding. So, like, I just hate that feeling. I hate that feeling in games. I hate feeling like, you know, you are just stuck unless you choose to just spend a a crazy amount of cash on a a video game experience endlessly, just chasing that, like, being in front. It just doesn't doesn't feel right. So, that's um, that's something that's been pretty core to how we've been uh, approaching this and definitely. A, a thing we've tried to work against in the design process of when this was a mobile first uh, title. 
that's why Crashlands lives on my phone because they said, yeah, pay us a price. You can play Crashlands for as long as you want, and there's not going to be any micro charges. And that's I said, a great yeah. game. That's a great game. Nice and stream again, streamlined. You know, really. Yeah. What a novel concept, right? Pay us some money, and we'll give you a game, and you don't have to pay us again. Uh, I wish more things were like that. Or right? maybe, you'll, or maybe we'll pay you again for an expansion. Remember those days when you when you bought a game and that was it for a while, and then oh look, there's an expansion. Uh, I'll buy yeah. the expansion. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to ask later for some actually good mobile game recommendations because I've literally haven't found one in years. It's uh, like. The Inkle games people, they started out like that. They started out like mobile, and then it's like, well, maybe we'll go PC. But, you know, they say, oh, okay, well, we're going to charge you uh, for an expansion, but not for an arm and a leg. I said, yeah, you got it. I do recommend a lot of the uh, management games by Kairosoft. Yeah. They have been porting them to Steam as well, but uh, I played them on mobile first. I've, I've got pretty much all of them on Android that have been released in English. So impressive. Yeah. I play a couple of their games and they're usually serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're fun. The best thing you can do is get magic DOS box and then put Starfleet two on your phone and then use the on-screen keyboard to play Starfleet two on your phone. That's the best thing you can do. Yes. But also that is an option. That is an option. I don't know how to transfer my save files over from that, but sure. That's something I could technically do. Just copy the whole directory over to your phone and it's all, it's all going to be there. The whole kid right, little. sure. Yeah. Like Starfleet 2 is like four megabytes, five megabytes. Really? It's On not, a good day, yeah. Yeah, it's not a big game. So you just copy everything over and it'll all be there. All your save games and everything. Copy the well, whole kid little. Anyway. I'm not the main host, but I'm going to ask anyway. When you go Android, there- will you come back? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Gabe, do we have an Android test device currently? I, I forgot. <laughs> How do, you, do we have an Android on hand? Some some people. Yeah, like one of the very, original reasons why we why we didn't cover Android right was we didn't actually have a device. If we just had iPhones, so yeah. Well, that's, some people, also yeah. like our you know our background, especially Gabe, the, his development background is iOS, so that's why iOS was our our first uh, uh, choice. So wait, how did so is, this is your first game you're developing together, right? I mean, first full game that either of us have developed, I guess. Okay, so you hadn't worked in gaming before this? This is your first game, period? Yeah, so me and me and Gabe's background is in, in tech, actually. So we met, um, we were both working on the experimental products team at Shopify, uh, and that's where we met. We were working on a, <laughs> a streetwear marketplace app oh, God. Uh, together. <laughs> I was, it was, it was a, a phenomenon, and I was... I was uh, in marketing. Gabe was in. Uh, he was our iOS lead, and uh, you know, after we met, and this was like, oh, Gabe, I don't even know. Probably like six years ago now. Um, we became pretty fast friends uh, over stuff like you know, sci-fi and movies and, and TV shows and all these different things we liked. And pretty soon after we'd met, we'd kind of been like, okay, we should try and work on some some side stuff together and see what we can do. So there's been a few different uh, things, especially like more on the app side that we've uh we've launched before like we had a we had a experimental camera app a few years ago that we launched called emoji vision that basically just turned everything into uh into an emoji mosaic um, oh, wow that sounds horrifying <laughs> it sounds it sounds terrible but it was it was it kind of went like a, a little viral which was pretty cool to see like it was uh yeah. Featured on TechCrunch. Uh, wow. Yeah, I've heard review. the name before, and just the concept makes you want to throw up. So, so I think you did great. So yeah, well, so that, was, that was kind of the point. We were like, let's just do something, you know, kind of stupid and kind of funny. Like that's what I mean about like the whole, the whole uh, birth of of me and Gabe working together was kind of through this desire to just do weird stuff. Especially with a background in tech, we kind of wanted to buck, you know, some of the traditions of. Uh, how we've been professionally trained up and just do do things a little weirdly and a little little uh you know left field experimentally right. exactly so wait ios allows you to do th- different things like that with its camera i thought it was pretty locked down am i wrong like uh there are there, there's a spectrum of apis available which let you hook into different types of hardware on on devices and there's a uh, we actually 
it was fairly new at the time. We used something called Metal, which is like a Apple's Direct DirectX, and uh, there's they have a whole set of APIs that you can use to like uh, like all our, all our app really was was just a uh, it was just a fancy metal shader, and um, there's a way that Metal lets you get a uh, get a camera a camera stream a buffer and apply a shader on top of it, and that's that's yeah. Hmm. That's it, it. Basically, if if there's you know if there's something possible on iOS, Gabe has probably found a way to to hack around it and figure out how to do it. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, that was that was a few years ago that Emoji Vision came out, and at, at the time, it was a pretty pretty novel concept. I think we've seen a lot of different apps that do a lot of similar stuff uh, come since then, and especially like filters on Snapchat, and Instagram. But yeah, it was born out of that just idea of let's just do something super funny and weird and see what happens. And then from there, we were like, oh, let's let's make video games. Like, we both love video games. Let's just make some video games. Ah, yes, the natural progression, emoji nonsense into video games. Yeah, we were like, oh, this was cool, but w- what about a game? All right, let's do a game. <laughs> uh, a now, nonsense wh- emoji app to, like, a very serious game. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the typical pipeline, right? Is like nonsense, you know, a novelty app to serious, dark, grim, depressing video game pipeline. <laughs> ah, yes, the famous... Um, yeah, that's how it tends to go, apparently. Yeah, so it's serious. a grim, dark future of game development. Uh, in the future, there is only grim, dark. Um, so where did the art style come from? Because it is very distinct, I think. It is very interesting uh yeah it it was like like i mentioned before like a lot of it came from um the interface design in movies like alien uh star wars 2001 a space odyssey like all those screens in the background me and gabe have both just been obsessed with that forever and it was one of our (laughs) common interests that we bonded over initially was like you know i think i forget what movie it was I, i think gabe we started talking about like uh oblivion that like tom cruise movie from 2013 at some point and we were just like it was so cool about that movie like the movie was okay but like the ui and the interfaces were so amazing and that, oh, that was God. like one of the things that we connected that's the best on. thing about that movie that is the absolute it's the best thing it's the best thing and then that 3d thing there, we, around the hand the am i remembering it? the 3d thing around the hands and everything it was like projected around the person am i remembering that correctly are you thinking of Minority Report, or you, uh, you might be thinking of? Uh, oh. I'm not sure. Is that in Oblivion? Oblivion's the one where he's like, oh no, Oblivion's the, the other guy. Tom Cruise movie where he's on the planet, right? Yeah, where he's he's like he's on Earth. Earth. Yeah, Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. To be fair, both of them did have good uh, use of. Yeah, I was getting them. Conf- I was getting movie. them confused, but they did have great looks to them, even though they were both kind of totally, mediocre. Totally. <laughs> We we came from like that, you know, just loving interfaces, and we started this like Figma project where we were just dropping in all these different interfaces we loved from movies like that, um, and then it kind of just came naturally from there. It was, you know, we were like, what if what if it was a game that just felt entirely like you were playing one of these interfaces? Because you know, we were so entranced by them in uh, the background of movies, and we were like, man, I'd love to use a computer like that. Like, I'd love to actually mess around with the computers in like a uh, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Right. And so, Oh yeah. Um, it, it came from that. that. That was what we were, you know, studying at the time. And, and that's what we, um, yeah, that's where the art style was born from was just like, let's make it like an interface from one of these movies, except that's the entire game. Like, I'll be honest. I'm lo- the, when I was playing it and I'm looking at it on the stream, I'm like, I imagine the keyboard for this being something akin to a Commodore pet, you know, that big, right black hard key yeah. thing click click like it's, it's kind of got oh, yeah. the it's kind of got the font and the colors and the look of like a really old like apple or early B- pc which is terrific which is exactly what you're going for but but you know the modern type of thing um totally no totally so so yeah i totally i totally get the vibe you're going for and i think it's absolutely working <laughs> especially as someone who grew up awesome. in, the, in that era of computers uh <laughs> that's it chaotic era it's a nostalgia machine that's uh you know that's what we designed it for it, it really is and 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 i can imagine like you're not looking at this through a window you're looking at this through sensors so you're like probably deep in a bunker somewhere managing all this uh so exactly you, so and you can you know, survive we, yeah 
we talked about like, you know, this is what's happening in real life, but how would that be represented on the screen? And that's how we're, you know, we were working back from to like how to make it look in chaotic era, right? Where like, you know, in real life, a planet's not just like a 12 by 12 grid, but that's how the computer you're using is imagining the planet or visualizing the planet or rendering the planet based on all the sensor information. So a lot of our design choices came from like that kind of thinking where we were like, okay, if this is what's actually happening on the ground, how would a computer interpret that based on this weird, you know, 80s retro futuristic computer we've imagined? I will admit I did run into one problem while I was playing it. It didn't look like I wasn't able to repair vultures when they uh, went down. Like I would push the repair button and it didn't look like anything happened. So I'm not sure if that's a mm. bug or or what, but there was no feedback at all when I pushed the repair button. That's definitely a bug. Yeah, we there's been a couple uh, uh, bugs like that that people have been flagging that we've been working through. Okay. Um, another one you might have noticed, like sometimes, you know, for instance, like uh, workers get stuck or things like that. So there's definitely a, f- a few different bugs we've been uh, we've been working through based on the feedback in Discord. Um, and again, it's why we did the early access release too, right? Was to try and uncover uh, some of these possibilities because, like. With a game like this, there's only so much internal playtesting you can do. Of course, uh, like you can't you can't even figure out a lot of these edge cases that players are going to run oh into. My God. So I've run into so uh, many yeah. games. I've run into so many games where you can tell only the developer played it, and so you're oh, pl- yeah. God. You're, and you're playing. This, this it, was one of them. <laughs> and, and, and you're playing it, and you're like, "What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> Why didn't you ask someone for help so they could have told you no?" <laughs> At one I know point. you're talking about chaotic era here. Like, I can no, I am not talking about chaotic <laughs> era. There have been several games.
much, everyone. Uh, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.